You are listening to The Secrets of Disney on sqpn.com, the StarQuest production network, leading the way. This episode is brought to you by Bluehost. Create your own website or blog with a .com domain name for just $6.95 per month. Go to sqpn.com and click on the Bluehost banner for more information. And by the Amazon Store. Shop at Amazon by clicking on our Amazon link at sqpn.com and your purchase will help support our show. Ladies and gentlemen. What's there, Mama? 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. How do you do? How do you do what? Show me the smile. If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Very nice. You can sit by me. Everything's so wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, get up. Come on, get up. Where are we going? Up to Neverland. You must kiss me. Excuse me? Please, princess. One kiss. Unless you beg for more. Hi there, and welcome to a brand new series on sqpn.com called The Secrets of Disney, a series of recordings entirely dedicated to uh, all those fantastic Disney movies, starting with uh, the very first full-length animated movie, Snow White. That is what we're going to talk about today. And uh, to do that, uh, joining me today is Deborah Shaben. Good, uh, good day, Deborah. Hey, good day. You are uh, quite a, a Disney expert, I think, and uh, someone who grew up with Disney but kind of lives Disney almost every day, right? Yeah, if you um, left the front door of my house, it takes 17 minutes to get to Animal Kingdom from here. So, uh, yeah, I live in Central Florida, so it's uh, a very infiltrated to the with Disney. Excellent. <laughs> well, today we wanted to start this series with... Snow White, the movie that started it all. Of course, it wasn't the beginning of animation for for Disney, but it was definitely the breakthrough event and uh, a movie that in many ways set the standards for everything that came after it. So looking back at this movie, uh, Snow White, um, it, it, this is it's, it's almost so difficult to, to realize that this movie is even was made before the Second World War. This this was what is it nineteen thirty six or seven? Um, the, the movie itself came out in nineteen thirty seven. They started working on this about nineteen thirty three. Unbelievable, and it's it's you know it's been, of course, uh, issued on on video cassette and later on on DVD. Now it's in glorious Blu ray. It's fully restored. If you watch that thing right now on a Blu-ray, you probably see a version that is far superior to anything that was ever seen by the generations before us. And it's just so hard to imagine that this movie is is almost a century old. It's crazy, and and and, and I think it's a uh, it's a tribute to um, to the quality of of this movie, and uh, and I think deservedly it, it it is still in the top one hundred of of best movies ever, right? Right. And AFI has this listed as one of the top 100 movies of all time. And it's um, deemed historically and aesthetically and technically significant in movie making history. So it took Disney years to make this movie. Can you tell me a little bit about the genesis of this whole uh, of this whole enterprise? I mean, this was such a huge step forward for for Disney, for his studios. How did this movie come about? 
Well, you have to go back to the very beginning of filmmaking, you know, the very first silent black and white um, films that were popular when Walt Disney was growing up. Now, Walt Disney, when he was 15, he was living in Kansas City and they were showing um, the original silent version of Snow White. And um, he went to a, I guess what I taught at the time was a warehouse and they were showing it on four screens simultaneously, but they were out of sync. But he was, he sat himself down there a couple times where he could see two screens at once. And what kind and of movie was this? It was snow. It was the original black and white silent version of Snow White. But who made that? That I don't know. I'd oh, have that, to go. Is that the one with, with Betty Boop? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, go, I read something I, about I, that, that there was like a three-minute yeah. version of Snow White, and that was the first animated Snow White? Or was this a, like this a... This was a live-action A live-action movie. Oh, I oh, never yeah, heard about it. Yeah, live-action. I didn't um, know that. <laughs> yeah, so I think he saw it twice, and back then it was 10 cents to, you know, see a movie, so... You know, I can imagine at 15, he had a paper route, so he, he probably saved up his, his money and went to see it a couple times. Okay. So, um, and, and that's what he, when he originally um, came back, you know, I guess that would have been like 15, 20 years later to make it, you know, that stuck in his mind as something very influential. Um, as far as um, what had happened is he was doing all right with, you know, he had just done Steamboat Willie, you know, the first um, talking cartoon mm -hmm. and you know he was he was doing all right with his with his mickey mouse character but he realized that um the big money was going to be in a in a full-length um f film but nobody had ever done a full-length animated feature before um and once he started on it he was like oh it'll take oh you know 10 artists and i'll have a budget of four hundred thousand dollars and that should be plenty uh it turned out not to be plenty it turned out that it took over 700 artists working on this film wow. to make it and 1.4 million dollars which back in the 1930s was that's astronomical <laughs> i think everybody in the studio had mortgaged everything they owned really to get the money yeah to because yeah. how did they get the funding for such a project since <laughs> no one had ever seen a full exactly. length theatrical and, and not movie. only that he had critics before while he was working on this critics were calling it disney's folly like nobody would ever pay to go see a, a an animated feature and you know and everybody huh. would go blind because of the color and watching <laughs> that too much cartoons oh, will really? make everybody lose their eyesight <laughs> and it you know they couldn't understand how this would all work so um it was a big risk you know i guess in walt's own words he's he said he they mortgaged everything down to even his brother. They mortgaged his house. They mortgaged everybody's houses until the point where they had to go to the bank. And, you know, and um, while they were in the middle of the, f of the, sh the filming or the shooting, I guess you could, the animation, some of the animation still had not been even completed. They just had uh -huh. the, uh, the, the board storyboard photos. So Walt showed um, bank of America, yeah, which is, you know, the bank he was using, um, his own preview and really pitched the movie and, and, and did the voices himself and sang some of the songs. And, and, um, during the whole, uh, preview of this to the banker, the banker didn't like, you know, show any interest. He just kind of sat there and went, uh -huh, uh -huh. and then on the way out to the car, apparently afterwards, he said, you know, by the way, I think this movie is going to be a hit. You're going to make a lot of money and, um, you got our money. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that that yeah. is quite something. What I mean, you 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 have to admire the entrepreneurship of of Disney and his vision and his kind of his faith in this idea that this would work. Because mm-hmm. if if it hadn't worked, if it hadn't worked, then you know, seven hundred people's future would have been in jeopardy. Uh, he would have probably never, <laughs> never. I mean, he would have fled from the United States and never returned. However, in, in reality, it turned out quite differently. So, was the was the movie once it was finished? Was it immediate an, an immediate hit? Where did it premiere? Where where did it start? I, I have oh, no idea yeah. how to imagine the theatrical world. It was such a big world. hit that it was on the cover of I think I want to say Time Magazine seven days later, you know, saying this is the greatest movie of all time. Wow. Or something. I, I'm, you know, I'm probably somebody's going to write me an angry letter saying that's not right. But, um, but I know that seven days later it was on the, you know, it was top news that this was a triumph, and even the premiere. Here's a little Disney trivia for you. The premiere mm-hmm. was so star-studded, like Clark, Clark Gable and uh, Marlene Dietrich and all the the big movie stars of the 1930s at Shirley Temple, they attended the premiere at the uh, Carthay Circle Theater in Los Angeles. Wow. So, and and it, you can actually see, if you come to Disney World here in Florida, we pay homage to the Carthay Circle because there's a building um, that's a store on Sunset Boulevard at Disney Hollywood Studios that is designed to look like the Carthay Circle Oh, that theater. is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And then, of course, it swept the world over time. It wasn't rolled out everywhere in the world right away. But um, I, I, I don't think it's possible to count the number of copies that must be out there right now and yeah. how many millions and millions and millions of people have watched this movie and how much money it has made over time. With the initial investment, it, it, yeah. the return on investment is, is still huge and, and, and it continues to profit Disney. Well, and here's the thing is that um, at the time when it was the first release before, you know, re-releases it made four million dollars and that was unheard of back then how could a a movie make four million dollars until you know obviously gone with the wind a couple years later you know blew it out of the water but still it was um you know everybody was going to see this movie it was a true blockbuster it might have been one of the first blockbusters in movie history yeah and 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 that is something that disney is is uh, it continues that tradition and every movie that comes out up until today is is it's an event it's it's a worldwide event and every almost every movie does incredibly well yeah i i totally agree with that it's Disney does know how to market. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely, they definitely do. So um, we'll get back to the the whole process of uh, 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 you know how this movie came about and and the technology that was introduced. Um, we'll talk about the actors and everything. But before we do that, let's just let's focus on the story a little bit. Uh, this first full length movie was based upon a story upon an original fairy tale by the brothers Grimm. Now, was this new for Disney? I mean, are there any traces that he he was uh, planning on, you know, cashing in on all these ancient fairy tales? Or was that something just like a a one-time experiment? I think it it was a one... He was like, let's just try this and see what works. And then, you know, and these are fairy tales that, you know, everybody grew up, you know, listening to. Brothers Grimm was very popular, so I can imagine that after one worked, he's like, huh, let's just find another one we can do. And um, so we have a, a whole list of uh, Grimm 
Brothers fairy tales that are Disney movies now. now and the of course, int- the we in- took liberties. Yes, the interesting um, characteristic of all the Disney movies is that it's usually a, a new take on an old story. They they take the the original fairy tale and modify it, and sometimes also adapt it to to the target audience. And in this case, I think that that Disney tried to make a movie that was family friendly or perhaps the whole society was very, you know, very different and had different sensibilities than the original audience of the Brothers Grimm. <laughs> so can you, t- can you tell me a bit about the, the differences between the original story and and the Snow White, the Disney Snow White that we know? Well, the original story, the in you know, Snow White was... With Snow White, you know, um, basically um, the stepmother was out to, you know, vain and out to get her. And, and, um, but the uh, original story kind of downplayed the dwarves so much. Um, that was Disney's selling point. He wanted to, to um, create the personalities of the dwarves. So, you know, there was um, a big discrepancy with that. In fact, I, I don't know if I heard this right, but in the original story, um, there was some allusion to the fact that the dwarves might be. Um, robbers or thieves, oh, but really? I, I don't know if, where I heard that, or you know, you know, it's not like Wikipedia. Not, not as, but um, not as cutesy <laughs> as uh, as the Disney dwarfs. <laughs> That's yeah. for sure. Well, and that was oh, that was the one thing Walt wanted to do is he wanted to take the dwarves and give them their own distinct personalities and and base the movie more on the dwarves than he did Snow White. So that was um, the big selling point, and then. If you if you're a fan of the Grimm Brothers Grimm, there is a uh, distinctive pattern of storytelling in which usually the main character or one of the characters in the fairy tale ends um, in a very very um, torturous manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, should I? Okay, kitties, this is kind of freaky, but you know <laughs> this is. This Just is how the original your, fairy put tale Put your fingers in your ears with, for a few minutes. <laughs> yes. So you don't get a visual image of this. The original fairy tale ends with um, the, the, you know, obviously Snow White marries the prince. And, you know, the Disney movies like, and they live happily ever, ever after. Well, at the wedding banquet, they invite the evil queen to, um, to the wedding and um, make her wear... Um, hot iron shoes so she dances until she falls over dead Ooh, so it's yeah. a very gruesome way to kill off <laughs> the queen yeah. they were very they were very charitable in the disney movie and, and killed her off kind of you know but i guess but in in the original story i think that she deserved it because in the disney ver- version we've got one attempt to kill snow white in the original story, if I remember correctly, and, and it's been a while since I read those stories as a kid, I think there were multiple efforts. Uh, and the queen disguises herself over and over again, trying to kill Snow White. And at one point, she, I think she tries to, she offers Snow White a dress, and then she, she a dress with laces, you know, on the back, and she, 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 uh, she she stows up. Uh, she she laces her so tight that that Snow White faints, but she she doesn't die. And then, you know, she uh, she she offers Snow White in a different disguise, a, a poisoned uh, comb, I think. And then she's rescued by the dwarves. And then in the the third attempt is the one with the apple, the poisoned apple, and that one works. So yeah, yeah it's like three times uh, that she shows <laughs> that she's a vicious killer. <laughs> and w- and apparently, you know, Brothers Grimm usually didn't 
um, make up some. Sometimes they didn't make up their own stuff. This is based off of what some speculate is a true story of um, a a woman in um, I want to say Belgium in the 1500s that was so beautiful that you know her stepmother tried to kill her unsuccessfully and she married a nobleman hmm. and finally ended up killing her by poison. So. Well, I, a lot of fairy tales um, play on, on, on universal themes and things that are very relatable and recognizable. And so it doesn't surprise me that there are real life, real stories out there on which the original story was based. Um, in, in, the, in the Disney version, of course, it's been toned down. But even so, there are still some pretty scary moments in in. In the in the Disney version, uh, we talked about the way that uh, the brothers Grimm killed the 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 wicked witch off. Um, well, in the Disney movie, she still is pushed off a cliff and you know <laughs> crushed by a boulder. Well, or <laughs> here's a bit of trivia: in the UK, when this film was initially released, they said it was so scary that they were not going to allow any child under the age of sixteen to see it without a parent. Wow! Really. Yeah. I guess kids have changed a lot over the years. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, and that and, um, you know, during the premiere, they say that it was, you know, they'd never seen an audience cry before in an animated feature or an animated uh, cartoon. And they had uh, everybody in the audience was crying wow. at the end of the movie. And then, of course, so, uh, this, this is all pre-Bambi, which uh, <laughs> I think is the, the, the animated yeah. movie from Disney that everybody remembers crying at. Um, it, 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 another thing that um, I, I thought was pretty scary and, and uh, a bit unexpected is that sequence in the beginning where Snow White runs away from her potential killer, or at least the, you know, the guy who is set out to kill her but couldn't and then she runs through the forest and everything starts it's, it's kind of a very trippy sequence where everything changes into her worst nightmares and it's kind of a you know it's like a real nightmare and the the the, the what is it she's in a, on a river and the the logs turn into alligators and everything and it's it's extremely scary yeah and uh, the trees come alive and it's yes. all very dark and you know uh, yeah it, it is scary and, and in fact um i think there are, and not only is it scary in that sense, but they make the witch really, really scary. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. She, she, uh, she became uh, the the quintessential uh, evil woman, and and I think that a lot of the evil queens and witches later on in in Disney movies still bear the mark of this original evil queen. Even visually, there are a lot of traits that I think she shares with uh, there's some kind of genetic makeup that she shares with almost all the the the, the bad women later on yeah I, I totally agree um, she was uh, we still Disney still uses a template very much um, taken from Snow White and like in an Enchanted you see a lot of the elements from uh, Snow White into you know Enchanted and that movie came out three years ago Absolutely. So, Although there in that movie, that was on purpose. They they also wanted yeah. to pay homage to the original Snow White. And, and uh, I was listening, just before we started recording, I was listening to the original soundtrack of Snow White. And there is this, um, there are two songs in there. It's the Whistle s song and um, yeah. I think that one day my prince will come. And I was listening to the <laughs> lyrics and 
I just recognize so many of the words and phrases of of the soundtrack of Enchanted. And so they brilliantly, they just took a lot of the stuff that is in Snow White, mixed it together and and created the soundtrack for uh, for Enchanted. But it's, it's just amazing to see how cleverly they they did that and how much is is a reference to the original soundtrack. And since we're we're on the topic of the music and the and the soundtrack, that too was uh something that that was quite a quite a revolution i think not only were people going to see an, a full length animated movie in the theater but it was also a musical it it had songs it had a soundtrack this was the first movie ever to have a full soundtrack and uh the uh, the, the music in um I don't know if you agree with me but the the music in snow white was very similar to a lot of other music at the time. I mean, it it clearly has that 30s vibe to it. Um, But it became almost a genre because it became so iconic for Disney movies that later on, and even in the in in today's Disney movies, and if you if you walk around in Disney World or Disney Disneyland, you hear the music from all the speakers, you know, it's a lot of the music that they currently compose for Disney Disney movies harkens back to the style of the music that we find in in Snow White. It's it's kind of that that's very cheerful, you know, it's before the war. So it's, it doesn't have that, you know, that the, the the darkness that later on you would get and uh and it, it kind of well, it evokes this this happy world. Well, you got to remember and this is my, me being a sociology teacher. You got to remember in the 1930s in America we had the depression. So movies were seen as a great escape from the reality that was around them, which You're is right. a lot of poverty. Yes. yes, of course, I forgot about that. But <laughs> so so you know, I think that, you know, the music is almost a counterpoint to the to the yeah. the overall feeling in society. So it's yeah. it's perhaps overly uh, cheerful. <laughs> That's something, you know. Nowadays, when when you when uh, when I when I rewatched Snow White, I I almost felt that that everything was a little bit over the top. It was kind of it was too perfect and <laughs> too cheerful. The animals are too cute, just a little bit, not not too much, but it's just a little bit over the top. But yeah, perhaps that's all to sugary. Yeah. kind of compensate <laughs> the 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 reality. Now the music was composed by three main composers uh frank churchill uh lee harleen or harline i'm not sure how you pronounce it and paul j smith um and then of course um the songs the the voices were provided by voice actors however the strange thing is that these voice actors and if i'm not mistaken not even the composers were were really credited it it was not common at the time to to show you kind of you know the the magic behind the scenes it was just the movie was given as is and you didn't have to know who did the voices who sang the songs that is totally irrelevant this is disney and that's the only thing and this is snow white and that's the only thing you need to know and um that that would be totally unthinkable in in the world of today everybody is credited you know the credits roll for sometimes 10 or 15 minutes that's how many people are now you know working on these movies the the credits for snow white are very peculiar you see uh, a lot of the, the the people that were involved in the animation and the technical side those are credited i think there's even a message of of Walt Disney thanking everybody for their work on the movie which is kind of kind of weird to put a personal message in the in the credits 
but the voice actors, the voice talents were not credited. Um, the voice of Snow White was done by a young girl, Adriana Casalotti, obviously from Italian, uh, 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 with an Italian background. She was only 18 years old when Walt Disney approached her. Uh, he was looking for uh, for for people to, you know, to do the voice acting in his movie, and I think that he knew someone, and and just and, and who was well, teaching, and then you know, it turned out that the daughter would be interested or would be would be good for well, that. What happened originally is the casting director for the movie called this acting studio or this voice studio and was talking to the the um, director of this uh, uh, studio and. Um, the daughter got on the line and was chatting with, um, you know, the dir- with the casting agent, and then you know the director came back, and was like, you know, get off the phone, <laughs> and it turned out to be a good thing because um, they asked her to audition and and accepted her. <laughs> sure, her father uh, Guido was an immigrant from from Italy and taught music in uh, New York City. Her mother Maria uh, was originally from the southern. Italian city of, of, of Naples, um, she was an opera singer. And so uh, Adriana had, had, had learned how to sing at, uh, from a very early age. Actually, her, her sister uh, also was, uh, was an opera singer and a voice teacher. And um, Walt Disney was like, the moment he heard her voice, was like, this is it. I found my Snow White. And uh, he purposely kept it a secret who voiced Snow White and uh, that is that is a bit tragic um, for of course uh, for Adriana Casalotti because nobody knew that she that she her voice had been so important for the success of the movie so she never got any other roles I think she only had like a, a bit part in The Wizard of Oz from 1939 and that's it you know, if you look in the uh, uh, Internet Movie Database, there's almost nothing that she did afterwards. She tried, you know, a career in opera, didn't really work. She she tried real estate stock market, um, died in 1997, very turbulent life. Um, she At one point, she even tried to sue Disney, and she was already very old at the time, to to get more money because she she saw that Disney was re-releasing Snow White over and over and over again making millions and millions and she didn't get anything actually her pay according to what i found on the web her pay at the time for the for the entire movie for all her voice work was just $970 20 bucks a day that's what she got <laughs> now at the time for a 19 year old girl that might have see, seemed like a very good deal but then if you're 70 and you see that Disney has made a gazillion dollars with that with your voice, yeah, that must feel a little bit strange. Yeah. Ah, uh, you got to love contracts. Um. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now let's so, uh, let's go back to the um let's say the the, the making of this movie. Um in in many ways, this movie was revolutionary. It set trends and and conventions that are used uh, throughout throughout the rest of uh, of of our of the, of the century that followed. Um, first of all, what 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 I think was was stunning was 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 amazing of of Snow White was that it it treated this this animated movie as if it was a live action movie um, with. Even with virtual camera movements that normally 
that were unseen in animated movies. A lot of the animated stuff was really two-dimensional. If you look at, you know, the Steamboat Willie, it's very simple. It's all, it's flat. It, it moves, but it's, it's, it's super simple. With Snow White, the opening shot, you know, you, you've got the, the storybook that opens, and then a camera just zooms in to the, to the, the castle, you know. And, and that is a, that's a, a camera movement. It's, it's almost 3D. And Disney even developed, or his, his people developed a special camera to be able to do that type of 3D movement uh, that is different from z- just zooming in on a flat picture. If you do that, you know, if you zoom in on the moon, for instance, in a, in a picture, the moon becomes bigger. He wanted to be able to zoom in on a castle and then that the moon would stay exactly the same size. So they created this, this tower of, with glass plates that, they, that could move independently from each other. And then frame by frame, they would move this piece of glass a little bit, move that one a little bit more, move the background even more. And so they were able to do very fancy, very advanced 3D animation. Well, 3D in, 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 still in, in 2D, but, but anyway. Um, and, and that in itself was a revolution in, in how cameras were used. They actually called this, this camera the multi multi-plane camera and uh, I even found a, a short clip on YouTube that with Walt Disney explaining how this camera works so um, in, in that respect it, it was a huge leap forward technically I think in a way um, Snow White was to the world of animated movies what later on Star Wars would become to the world of of uh, uh, science fiction and and fantasy movies. With well, all and the- that's I think that's what you know the when we look back at it, and this is what is what makes it um, historically significant is that they didn't know how to do any of this. They invented the ways we do all of this, and now everybody uses what they invented. Exactly, so. exactly. So it was all developed from scratch. For instance, the animation of the human characters, the queen, the huntsman, the prince, Snow White. All those animations were modeled on live actors. And so they used pretty big painted cells to kind of copy the movements of of real actors. So in a way, it's almost as if Disney was already using the the technology that is used nowadays to make a movie like Avatar, where everything that you see, the movements of all the digital actors are based on motion capture of real actors. And Disney almost a century ago, was already using that technology to make his characters more lifelike and less cartoony. Mm-hmm. So, In fact, uh, I believe the Wicked Queen sequence um, where she's, uh, you know, uh, doing like the, uh, the uh, close-ups of the Wicked Queen were drawn basically almost like they, a trace drawing over the original... Um, yeah, sell of the of the movie that mm-hmm. the live action movie they were using. I think that um, in in many ways the the movie was was revolutionary in in in, in the, from a technical point of view, but also when it comes to the storytelling conventions that it introduced. Um, I already mentioned the opening with the storybook. I think almost mm-hmm. every Disney movie starts like that, at least the animated Once ones. Once upon a time, the, yes. <laughs> Once upon a time, you see a beautiful storybook, and then you are slowly well, brought into and, the story behind the story. <laughs> and well, and and here's the uh, here's a clever 
plot um, device that most musicals use, and Disney uses it almost every um, animated feature that they have, which is the first song you hear in any uh, Disney musical movie or any musical, well, almost any musical, is a, a wishing song, like I wish. And uh, in this true. case, it's very literal. It's, uh, you know, I'm wishing. Yeah, she's um, at the wishing and- well there. <laughs> And so, you know, obviously you're going to find out that she's wishing for her true love to come. And so that sets up the plot uh, a little further for what's to happen. It also introduces the prince in a very early stage of the story, which I cannot remember from the original Grimm story. I I might be mistaken, but I thought that in the original story, the prince is just almost a deus ex machina who arrives at the end of the story and then boom, he saves the princess. Yeah, exactly. In fact, in the original story, the the prince was like, hey, it's a beautiful girl. Let me kiss her. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Since I have nothing to do being on my horse here in the woods, I'll just kiss this beautiful girl. Look at that. She's alive. Let's marry her. (laughs) Let's kill that wicked witch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, and, and Disney did a great service by making sure there was a love, um, there was a bit of a, a love scene at the very beginning of the movie to so that it didn't seem so hokey when the prince came upon her at the end. Exactly. <laughs> and that too, is, I think it's good. It's good storytelling. You have to do that. You have to set up the payoff at the end of the movie by by at least introducing that prince i think that nowadays they would probably develop a whole back a parallel back backstory for that prince so that every every 10 minutes we would get an update on what the prince is doing and you know how much struggle he has kind of finding the girl they do they didn't do that at the time no no um, well and like i said walt wanted this movie to be a lot about the dwarves he wanted the slapstick he wanted he thought he could get so much you know tons of uh, footage based just solely on the antics of the dwarves and it it worked there are actually i think two types of side characters that are extremely important to the genre that was introduced with uh, snow white and that is the the dwarves uh the the kind of the magical creatures and the animals the animals too uh, have a very characteristic role. Um, they don't talk in this movie, but they definitely communicate with the heroine in in, in this in this case. Um, they accompany her. They help her. They you know it's it's like there's yeah. this constant flutter of you know. And they they do actually say serve as a. A messenger to the dwarves when they're like, oh, the the wicked queen's around. So they like Lassie. They go find the dwarves and like you know pull them towards where Snow White is. Yes, and they also give a warning almost when when the queen, the evil queen, has disguised herself and approaches the house. And aren't these birds trying to pick her and to kind of attack her because they sense that this yeah. is an evil person? And then and, and Snow White she, is even yeah. you know. She's like, don't do that. The poor old woman. And that's what, and that's what um, that gave the evil queen a um, an in because they're like, oh, my heart. Let me go sit down in your house, and you know, mm-hmm. oh, okay. <laughs> and it's funny. I mean, of course, Snow White had never seen a Disney movie because nowadays, if we would see someone dressed up like that, we knew immediately. We would know immediately that that is a bad. That's a that's a bad character that is that means danger like a a dark cloak i mean in a way uh when i was watching S- star wars um i'm i'm a quite a, quite a bit of a, a star wars aficionado but when i first saw the emperor being introduced i was like 
that looks like Disney. It's exactly the same black cloak and everything and crooked nose and this kind of, you know, <laughs> old a person who 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 pretends to be extremely vulnerable but inside hidden underneath that appearance of vulnerability and old age there is this incredible destructive power so i wouldn't be surprised if if uh, lucas took some cues from from snow white in, well, and in, in the way that took, he i'm sorry they also took cues from um the uh, social psychology and, and the fact that humans equate beauty with goodness and and then any flaw in skin or any flaw in um and beauty is considered um, evilness. Yes, yeah, that's that's very strong. Later on, we'll we'll talk about the symbolism in uh, in in uh, in Snow White. But uh, yes, everything is extremely black and white in 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 this first Disney movie, and and I think that later on they continue that tradition. Um, the uh, let's let's go back to what other things were. Um, setting some standards for all the other Disney movies afterwards. I think, the, so we talked about the role of the animals, the, the dwarfs. Well, the music and the songs, this, this, this alternation between background music, very symphonic, and then musical-type songs in between the action to, to kind of tie it together, uh, that became a hallmark, I think, for, for Disney movies. And, and a lot of other uh, animated movies copied that uh, because it's, yeah, it was a... F- a format that people loved, and uh, and it was also something to um, to distribute very easily. Cause you gotta you gotta realize that at the time it was impossible to dis- to redistribute a movie to individuals. Um, you could only see a movie in a theater, and if that reel went to another theater, then you just had to wait sometimes for years until it got, got back to your town, and you could see it again. And it was only when the video recorder and videotapes were introduced that people could actually own a copy of the movie. But it was very common, very early in in history, to, you know, mass-produce records. And so Disney had a fantastic marketing device or marketing tool for his movies, and that was the soundtrack. You could easily sell thousands tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of those of those records with the soundtrack on it and so and yeah and who who doesn't know some of the songs you know even without seeing the movie like you know hi ho off to, you know who doesn't know that song and who doesn't know whistle while you work exactly they became um very popular and just in culture and without the movie and uh the 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 style of the songs were also in you know later on in, in in Disney movies you see the same type of songs even the you know you've got chorus so- songs by a chorus you've got the individual characters that have their moment of glory um, even even though the 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 actual lyrics have evolved quite a bit if you look at the lyrics for the Snow White songs it's still very it's poetic but it's also a bit bland at least to yeah. to my modern ears but uh, <laughs> I think later on the lyrics got better and better and better. Thank you. 
And with that, we've come to the end of this first part of our Secrets of Disney episode about Snow White. Tune in next time for part two. In the meantime, go to sqpn.com for all the information about other shows that we produce over at the StarQuest Production Network and for previous and future episodes of this show. More information on where to find us on Twitter and Facebook can be found also on our website, sqpn.com. Just look for The Secrets of Disney. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.